Well, we are starting a new sermon series today, so open up to Ephesians. And I've called this series A New Belonging. A New Belonging. And as I was doing research for the sermon series, I came across an interesting study by two psychologists, which right away, interesting and study by two psychologists may not go in the same sentence, but it does. Because everything that I was finding was referencing a paper that they put out in 1995. And their names are Roy Baumeister and Mark Leary. And their paper was called The Need to Belong, A Desire for Interpersonal Attachments as a Fundamental Human Motivation. And their hypothesis was this, that belonging is a basic human need. Mind blown, right? I mean, that's just so far out there. That's so revolutionary that we actually have a need to belong. But it was more than that as well. It was that our need to belong drives some of our motivations and our interactions with other people. So by seeking belonging, we determine our human relationships. Now, they define belonging as frequent personal contacts or interactions that are generally positive and that form bonds marked by stability, effective concern, and continuation in the foreseeable future. So basically, good, stable relationships, right? That we have this need to feel like we fit somewhere, that we belong, not in an ownership sort of way, but in a friendship sort of way, that people know who we are, they accept who we are, we know who they are, they accept, or we accept who they are. Now, they approach this, these psychologists, from an evolutionary worldview. Worldview is how you look at the world. And so what you do is you you have a lens that you may not even be aware of. Everybody does. And everything that we see, everything that we experience, we interpret it through this lens. So for the person, for instance, from an evolutionary uh, point of view or somebody that says there there is no God, they, they have to interpret everything they see from and through that lens. So they looked at this idea of this need to belong And they said the need to belong presumably has an evolutionary basis. It seems clear that a desire to form and maintain social bonds would have both survival and reproductive benefits. So basically, it helps us to survive. Well, that's not incredibly exciting in my world. But if they're right, and I actually think they are, because they had a very extensive study of many, many different studies and research on this issue that we have a need to belong. Plus, I think they're right because, frankly, I think it's just sort of common sense. I mean, I don't know that I needed studies to be able to tell you that human beings have a need to belong. But if they're right, I think, I know, we should be able to see this from a biblical worldview from a Christian worldview, because I don't agree with their worldview. I think they're wrong on how they're interpreting what they're finding. I think their worldview is coloring it without them even realizing it. So if it's true, I believe we should see this from a biblical and a Christian worldview. So let's look a little bit at the need to belong. And let's see, do we see this throughout Scripture? Is this inherent in how God made us? Because that's a big part of the biblical worldview. We are created by God. That's our origin story. That's where we come from. So do we see the need to belong in our creation? Well, let's think about it. When you get to the creation story, as we looked at a couple months ago in our study in Genesis, 
you see that God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates everything, and it all leads up to and culminates in this big event of the creation of humanity. And every day that God created animals, it said he created them after their kind, after their kind, after their kind. And then he gets to Adam and Eve, and it says he created them in his image. It's a radical shift in terminology to point out that something is completely different about us. Now, why? What does it tell us? Well, it tells us we belong to God. He created us to belong to him. Not like as a science project or a pet, but as a friend, as a child to the parent. He created us to live in his presence, to be loved by him and to love him, to bring glory to him, as we talked about earlier, as we sang the songs of worship. We see in creation we were created to be in a relationship with God, but it doesn't stop there. Psychologists talk about the inner relationships among people. Well, I think that finds meaning in Scripture as well. In the beginning, he created them man and woman, that the two would come together and become one flesh. And so even in the first two people that were created, they were created to have a relationship not only with God, but with each other. They belonged to God, and they belonged to each other. So right there in the fabric of creation, we have God instilling, creating in us a need to belong and creating the way for us to have that need fulfilled. So I think these guys are on to something. But it shouldn't just stop there. If this truly is a fundamental human need, it should be seen throughout Scripture. So the question is, do we? Let's think a little bit about the history of Scripture. God calls a family into a relationship with him, Abraham's family. And out of that family, he creates a country, a nation, a people, the nation of Israel. And he dwells among them in the temple or in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. And they gather around him and they are identified throughout Scripture distressed over and over and over again. Their identity, their belonging as a nation is found in their relationship with God and then in their relationship with each other. He didn't just reach out and grab individuals and say, okay, I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and you should know me. He gathered a people together. And he said, you're going to be different. In all the nations of the world, you're going to be different because you belong to me. Not only that, but God bound himself to his people. He made promises to them to love them and to care for them and to support them, to be with them and to work in and through them. Then we come to the New Testament and we have Jesus. There's this beautiful language of the incarnation. This is God taking on flesh and dwelling among us. Think about that. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He came to be with us. To meet that need for us to have this relationship with God. But he didn't just hang out with us and say, hey, what's up? I want you to know me because I'm God. He died on the cross in our place so that that barrier between us and God could be broken down. He saved us so that we can have a relationship with God and so that we can eternally be with God and God could dwell with us. But again, he didn't just reach out to individuals. Christianity, contrary to popular belief, is not an individualistic religion. God, in salvation, forms something, a new belonging, a new community. We call it the church. And it is emphasized over and over and over again in the New Testament. And while it's become popular to say, well, I love Jesus, I just don't love the church, that language is completely 
against the language of the New Testament. You cannot support that through Scripture. If you love Jesus, you will love his bride. That would be like you coming to me and saying, I really love you, but I hate your wife. How do you think I would feel? And so God created in the church this new community. Are we perfect? No. Not at all. But there is a belonging here between us and Christ and then between us and each other. There's a belonging of the church throughout history. We stand on the shoulders and are part of this community that was shaped a long time ago, all the way back with the apostles. And will continue until Jesus Christ comes. We belong to something so much bigger than just us and our little gathering here in Greece. But there's another belonging that is yet to come. When Christ returns, Revelation 21, 3-4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Think about the belonging the sense of relationship that we will see fulfilled when Christ returns. When I hear this about no more death, no more pain, I hear no more loneliness, ever. No more anxiety over relationships, ever. No more wondering, do I fit in anywhere? Am I loved by anybody, ever? All of that is blown away because we are loved by God and in His presence. And that shapes a community that loves God and loves each other. And all that messiness that we experience now, gone forever. All that tension that exists between Christians, gone forever. In the very presence of our Lord and Savior. Now there's some implications to this idea. And these two psychologists... Uh, Baumeister and Leary, they, they, at the end of their paper, they laid out some implications for their research. Where does this lead and, and what should we do about it? Listen to just one thing. They applied this to marriages. Listen to what they say, and this should terrify you. The decline of arranged marriages and the increasing availability of divorce have made romantic attachment more dependent on individual attractiveness and other traits. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Now, nobody is saying we should go back to arranged marriages. They're not saying that either. It was just a cultural phenomenon around the world in many different ways. Okay, It still is in some countries. But what they're getting at is there is a shift from external forces that shape our belonging. External forces like in society, in the family, in culture, laws, rules, whatever it is. Things that say I belong not because I choose but because this thing has determined me. For instance, in a marriage, I made a commitment... It's this external force now. I have a commitment to this woman, to this man. That defines who I am. Okay? Listen to what they say. Have made romantic attachments more dependent on individual attractiveness and other traits. Concern over the self as an instrument for attracting others and maintaining attachments should therefore increase. So now, because we don't have these external factors saying you belong because you were born in Rochester, you belong because you happen to be in this family, you belong because you went to the school, now all those external things become an internal thing. 
You belong because you choose to belong. Because you have the freedom to choose to belong. You have the freedom to decide you get to be whoever you want to be. What incredible freedom. And now the responsibility of maintaining that belonging is squarely on your shoulders. If you don't belong, if you don't feel like you belong, it's completely your fault. And if you do feel like you belong, and you love this place where you belong, it's based completely on your choice and their choice. So at any given moment, that belonging can be snuffed out. Because somebody says, I choose differently now. There's no external factors that have created that belonging. So listen to what they say. Concern over the self as an instrument for attracting others and maintaining attachments should therefore increase. Thus, becoming old or fat would be less threatening if divorce were impossible or if marriages were arranged. With the increasing threat, social structures should emerge, for example, to help young people or to help people look young or lose weight. Think of what they're saying. If you get old or fat or ugly, your marriage is in danger. Because your marriage is completely determined by your ability to belong through your own personal attractiveness and that person's ability to accept you as belonging because they're attracted to you. And the moment they decide otherwise, it's gone. Now that's just one instance. And what they're saying is we better train our young people to look good. Now, I find that incredibly offensive. And yet, I look at our culture and what are we doing? It's exactly what we're doing. And we're giving them, selling them a million different ways to do it. And by doing so, we're, we're putting on them and reinforcing this idea that you better be beautiful. You better be attractive. You better be slim and fit. Otherwise, people aren't going to like you because your belonging is dependent on this. What are we seeing in kids? Is this a wonderful, pronounced sense of freedom and joy and peace? Because, wow, now I can determine how I belong. All I have to do is do these simple things, and it's wonderful, and I get to belong. Is that what we're seeing? No. What we're seeing is a profound rise in anxiety and loneliness and despair and in struggles. Why? Because our freedom has become a crushing weight. This thing that should make it so we can choose to belong wherever we want has actually made it so we belong nowhere. We are a society and a community of one. And we are profoundly alone. We have lower commitments. Think about the irony. We've made marriage, gender, Sexuality, among many other things, a matter of personal preference. You get to choose. You get to choose whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can be a man. You can be a woman. You can be something in between. You can marry a man. You can marry a woman. You can marry something in between. You can marry whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You're profoundly free. So now if you're not happy, it's all on you. Because you made that choice. And that other person made that choice. And if they're not happy, they have the right and the responsibility to get out of Dodge and leave you behind. Where's the sense of belonging in that? Now, maybe you're here and that's not something you're struggling with. This is just one example. But take it to so many others. Take it to our job, our our workforce, where, where companies are no longer committed to their employees. 
but just get all they can out of you and kick you to the curb as soon as they can. And frankly, where employees do the same to their jobs because they have to. Survival of the fittest. Look at relationships in society. Well, if I like this person, for now, if they're meeting my needs, I'm friends with them. But the moment they're not meeting my needs, I don't need them anymore. Just a button on Facebook, boom, relationship over. Simple, right? Think about churches. I like this church. I'm getting something out of it. It really makes me feel welcome. Oh, man, somebody said something Sunday, and I'm not going to go back there anymore. And boom, that commitment's over. Because it was all about personal choice and personal preference. And then we wonder, how come I don't have those relationships that I used to have? How come I don't fit anywhere anymore? How come I don't belong? When relationships become constantly conditional, loneliness, anxiety, and despair are the results. And we see it constantly in our culture. And quite frankly, I think we see it in our own lives as well. And we seek way after way after way to put a band-aid on that feeling, to, to create a sense of belonging, to create an environment or an artificial relationship to make us feel like we belong somewhere. I think the rise in social media is a testimony to that. Not that it's bad. I think there's good things there. But why has it become so popular now? Well, technology, for one. But I think the other is this need. We want to belong. So look at all the friends I have on Facebook. Sure, I don't know half of them, but that's okay. I belong. We're so desperate to belong. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read for you verses 1 through 14. And I just want you to listen. You can follow along in your own Bible. But listen, in this world that is so desperate to belong, in this world where we want to belong, but all those methods, those means of belonging have been stripped away, and all the pressure to belong, all the fault of belonging or not belonging is on our shoulders, where every relationship is conditional and can be ended at any point, listen to the words of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal 
the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. How much in that passage depends on you? Very, very little. How much of it depends on the sovereign will and power of God Almighty and His work eternally and unchanging through Jesus Christ that nothing can take away from us. Everything. We are so desperate to belong. And here we have a gospel that says through Christ there is a truth. There is a restoration of relationship. There is a new belonging, a new community that creates a new you with new relationships, not dependent upon you, but dependent upon the very grace of God that never fails. And you wonder why people look at us so skeptical. Because this is hard. In our world that is so different, this is completely foreign to us. So listen to what he says in the rest of, relation, or in the rest of Ephesians. He talks about in this chapter, our relationship with God depends on Christ, not on us, not on our circumstances. He talks about in Christ, we become something new. We don't journey from who we are, trying a little bit more to become something. We're picked up from the very pit of hell and death, and we are placed in new life in Jesus Christ. We belong. We are new in Christ. We've left behind the ways of this world. Those ways of relating, those standards of belonging, that anxiety, that despair, that loneliness does not possess us anymore. We are in Christ. The barriers of this world that keep us isolated from God and from each other have been broken in Jesus Christ. We're going to spend time talking about that. And i got to tell you, one of the things we're going to look at is the concept of racial reconciliation because it's really big in Ephesians. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me because I am completely unqualified to teach on that subject. But I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I've already reached out to some friends that are very involved in that in churches around the United States. Please pray because I think as a church, as you look around, I don't think we represent the community of Greece. And I think we could do better. And I want to talk about how. So those barriers have been broken down. This new belonging shapes this new community, the church, this group of Christians. And Paul talks about that then defines how we act. It defines how we relate to one another. You know, this idea that you can be in Christ and you can be a Christian and just go on living however you want is nowhere in Scripture. Our new life needs to show and demonstrate and be defined by our new belonging in Jesus Christ. Our actions should demonstrate the reality that we've been made new. We're different. And all of our relationships have been changed. We have a deeper relationship with Christians, deeper than anybody else in this world. Now, it's difficult. It's difficult to trust this, especially when you've been hurt, especially when you've been hurt by other Christians or other churches. It's hard but we must never, ever let it go. And I pray that by pouring through the text of Ephesians, we will be challenged to live in this new belonging. First with Jesus Christ. We'll spend a lot of time, as Paul does, talking about what that is, 
How are we new in Christ? How do we belong to Christ? What does that look like? How does that change the way we think about everything? And then as Paul does, we'll transition and say, okay, how does this change the way we interact with everybody? How does it change our fundamental relationships in the world? As he starts and he goes through in chapter 5 and he talks about the instructions for various aspects of society. And then he ends the book talking about the armor of God. And it's a very clear indication there is nothing easy about this. It is a battle constantly. And hear me, it is not a battle to fight the culture. It is not a battle to fight politics. It is not a battle to change this world. It is a battle to guard our heart and our soul and our mind with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Any transformation that we hope for in this culture will start by being transformed ourselves and living out that transformation. That's how God changes the world. It is a pattern throughout all of Scripture. Now, it's difficult. It's difficult to change our concept of belonging from one thing to another. And that's why I believe this series is so important. Baumeister and Leary, these two psychologists, said, in the United States, the melting pot ideology has recently gone out of fashion as the nation has begun to accept the problematic reality of multiple separate enclaves defined by racial and ethnic backgrounds. In short, it appears that asking people to redefine their belongingness to accommodate new realities is difficult and only sometimes successful. That's very true. It's very hard to think of ourselves in different ways. It's very hard to accept that we are now somebody different. It's very hard to relate with people that normally, naturally, in our own way of thinking, we think, I don't have anything in common with them. But in Christ, we have a new belonging. And that which is hard, in fact, that which I would say is actually impossible for us to change our belonging from being a sinner and an enemy of God to now being in Christ and belonging to Him and belonging to the church is made possible through the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8-10, through 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Is it hard? Absolutely. Being a Christian is hard. Having faith is hard. I think we've downplayed that too much in the church. And frankly, I think we've created too many Christians that have a very easy faith. And when life gets tough, as it does, and where things challenge our faith, as they always do, these Christians that are depending on an easy faith say, well, this isn't what I bought into. This isn't what I accepted. Now this is hard. Faith is hard. It's why we need to fight. And we need to clothe ourselves and bathe ourselves and and armor up ourselves with the very words of Scripture to say, I know who I am in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That which is difficult or maybe even impossible in our world is very easy for God. And He does it all the time. My guess is you're sitting here as a testimony of one time that God took you from death to life. And you could share story after story after story 
of how that new life, that new belonging has influenced you. Struggles? Absolutely. There always will be. But joys and victories and people that you've interacted with that you had no earthly reason to have anything in common with them, but in Christ, something amazing has happened. That's what the church is all about. The church becomes a display of this new belonging. We have to, because the world desperately needs to see it on display. Paul talks about the church being a display of this grace, a display of God's glory, a display of the work of Jesus Christ. So we have to pour over these things and say, is this true of us? Are we working on these things? Are we living them out in our community among Christians? Or are we just doing our own thing? And I have to say, I am so happy to be able to be among a group of people that takes this serious. And so I'm excited to walk through this book together. As we look ahead to the rest of the series, we're going to be walking passage by passage. Some passage we, we may even look at two or three times in a row because there's so many different themes that I want to emphasize out of those passages, and I want to give it the time that it needs. I hope and I pray, as I have in times past, to give you daily devotionals. I hope to be able to put in the sermon notes, they aren't there this week, uh, but things for you to read throughout the week. If, if you have another devotional you're doing and you don't have time, that's fine. But if you're not getting into God's Word, let that be a way to just start there. Something easy. And I'll tell you this. For your devotions this week, I want you to just read the book of Ephesians. Six chapters. You could probably read the whole thing in about 30 minutes. 45 tops. It's not that hard. Maybe even just take a chapter a day. Five minutes each. Listen to it. Read it. Maybe even read it out loud. Pray through it and say, God, help me. This changes everything. I truly believe that. And we need God's help to understand. And as we walk through this, I want you to know, in Christ, there is a new belonging available to you. So if you're walking through this world and you're feeling completely alone, there's a good chance there's something about Jesus Christ you, you haven't accepted or you, you haven't come to realize. We'd love to share that with you. It's also possible that the church is not being the church the way it needs to be in order to meet those needs and to display that belonging to you. And we want to do that. Is it easy? No. Is it messy? Constantly. But it's good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ in whom and through whom we have a new relationship with you and with each other, a new identity with you, crossed over, brought over, purchased from, from sin and from being an enemy of yours to now being in Christ friends of yours, children of yours, people that will spend eternity in your presence. What a joyous day that will be. And God, I pray for us as a local church that Orchard Community Church would be a display and a true reality of this new belonging through Jesus Christ. Because as we'll look at through Ephesians and so many other places in the New Testament, it's not our freedom that brings us to belong. It's not our choice that brings us to belong. It's not our preferences. Those things keep us trapped. It is in Christ and in Christ alone, that we find this true belonging, the belonging that we were created for, 
and the belonging that will be accomplished when Christ returns and you will dwell among us forever and ever. Thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.